It's the DWS News Hour. I'm Scott Beatty, and we're pleased to be joined by the News Gazette's 40 Under 40 Man of the Year. It's Christopher Brook. He is a professor of microbiology at the University of Illinois, and he joins us now. Christopher, thank you so much for your time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be here. I appreciate it. Uh, You have been selected in part, you were named a 40 Under 40 winner for your work in this COVID-19 testing and the response to the pandemic and then named man of the year as well. Were you surprised by it all? I was completely surprised by it. I had uh, no idea, was not expecting it at all. So it was uh, obviously super honored and and very flattered and completely unexpected. Well, 2020 for most of us has been completely unexpected. You know, the, the rhetorical question is who could have predicted this pandemic but in fact, this is your research on infectious diseases. You, maybe you could have predicted it. Right. Yeah. So any year when you're giving this award to a virologist, it's not a good year. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, there have been people working on these viruses for, for years. And I think, you know, there's this, always this risk of new viruses jumping from animals into people. It's something we're very, you know, it keeps, keeps virologists up at night. And I think if you had a short list of viruses before this happened where you would have thought would be the most likely to do this, a coronavirus like this one would have been near the top of the list. So, so there were definitely people predicting this going back years. It's, you know, I mean, there's always there's movies out there about what could, what if, and we got into these kinds of scenarios. But the way this has played out, is it what the modeling would have predicted when it all started? Um, So that's a tough question. It's played out in a way that the modeling would have predicted, given that we haven't taken all of the steps that we potentially could have to restrict the spread of the virus. Um, To be honest, I even when um, the virus first popped up in China, I wasn't that worried about um, what was going to happen here because we had we knew how to handle things like this. You know, scientists have been working on epidemic responses for years. The United States and particularly the CDC is a world leader in this area. And so, uh, you know, I I didn't think it would be this bad, but we certainly, I think, at the national level um, didn't do everything that we should have. And we've sort of honestly botched it a little bit. Christopher Brook is with us. He's man of the year, 40 under 40 winner. Uh, You know, does this, though, inform... And we all wish it wouldn't happen again. But the next time, you, you know, it, 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 or is this feel or I guess I have a two part question. Do we know more now for the next time? And how likely is it to, to, to be a next time? Because this does feel like an outlier, even compared to SARS, compared to swine flu and all those things. Right. This is probably uh, the worst viral pandemic we've had since the 1918 influenza pandemic. Um, and so uh, we we know that this is that there will be other pandemics. That's the one certainty that we have in this field. We don't know what virus it will be. We don't know when it'll happen, but we do know that at some point it will. Um, I think certainly this being the worst pandemic that most of us have experienced in our lifetimes is really driving home how important it is to take the steps to protect ourselves going forward. And so I think if we find ourselves in, or next time we find ourselves in a situation like this where there's this new mysterious virus that's come out of animals into people, we take it seriously and, and we do what we know needs to be done early to stamp it out before it gets to this point. We're talking with Christopher Brook, 
He is a infectious disease expert. He's a professor of uh, microbiology at the University of Illinois and the man of the year for the 40 under 40. Um, uh, you took a lot of initiative, you and your colleagues, creating the testing, uh, right? And, and you were part of the team that developed this rapid testing and got it out. Um, you know, wh- where did where did it go from we've got this pandemic to I know how to kind of help out in this? Would, did, did it just kind of come to you? Was it a group conversation? Well, I think just because I'm a virologist, I was probably following this a little more closely than most people. And I think once the virus kind of broke out of China and started showing up in, in Iran, Italy, that's the point at which I started thinking that this might be a pretty big problem. Um, and so, um, and once it started spreading across the United States, um, you know, there was a, a question of, you know, it was clear that we needed to be doing lots of testing to be able to try and identify outbreaks and stamp them out before they got worse. Um, and so it became clear that we really just didn't have the, cap- the capacity to do the test for this virus here locally. Um, and that was true in lots of places, but, um, and so I think, um, I just, you know, the technology that the test is based on is one that we run in our lab all the time. And so I knew that we were probably in a pretty good position to be able to help out. Um, And I also agreed with with public health experts that it was essential that we be able to do this test here so that people could get their results quickly um, and with a turnaround time that would allow, you know, us to act. We're now at a point where the state of Illinois is saying, hey, we're going to report data that doesn't include what's happening at the University of Illinois because you are skewing our data so much right. in a good way <laughs> right. because the testing is so uh, large and, and prevalent. How repeatable is this for, and again, Lord forbid, the next time? Um, you know, can next time there's a virus, oh, we know what to do now to create mass testing. Yes. Is, is it always going to be saliva-based? So it won't always be saliva-based. It wasn't guaranteed that that would work for this virus. I mean, so um, it was something we tried out because we knew that if it would work, it would um, it would make this much more possible. And some other groups around the country had some early preliminary results, so we kind of gambled on it, and it worked, um, which, which is great. Um, I think this sort of response is definitely um, reproducible, meaning that, you, you know, you have a team get together and figure out what, you know, how you can make a test that, that does what you need to do uh, and quickly. Um, and, I mean, to be honest, you know, this is something that I would hope in the next, the next time this happens at the national level that this is rolled out so that it's not, you know, left to the University of Illinois to kind of fend for itself. Um, but I think that absolutely this, this could be repeated um, in the future and should be, of course. It's the the mantra that was is repeated now all the time is wear your mask, social distancing. We're hit or miss, I guess, on that. But if that was adhered to by almost everybody right now, would we would we squash squash this thing that is seems to be having a second or third wave right now? Right. So, uh, yes, that's our best chance. And so, people who uh, epidemiologists and, and infectious disease modelers. Um, you know, nothing is perfect, but the idea is that that, that everyone really adhere to the to mask wearing and distancing, we really would have a chance to stamp this thing out and, and shut it down like other countries did for a while. Now, you don't get, we're not ever going to get rid of it until there's a vaccine, but at least get to a point where we're not seeing almost a thousand deaths a day every single day. Um, so I, I can't emphasize enough the importance of, of wearing a mask, 
maintaining your distance, avoiding, you know, uh, unnecessary gatherings and indoor spaces. Um, it's, it's the only tool we have, but it is a very powerful tool. Is a vaccine something that's in your purview, something that you would seek to understand, if not, um, you know, work on in any capacity? So, no, that's not really uh, in sort of my ballpark. Sure. Um, there, you know, the, the vaccine development is proceeding at, at an unprecedented rate in human history. I think the earliest record or the previous record for vaccine development was like four years. Um, you know, now we're moving to have something rolled out at least in a very limited fashion within a year, you know, by hopefully early 2021 and then later in 2021, hopefully for, you know, everybody. Um, so I, I'm not playing any role in that. There are sure. lots of really, really talented um, teams working around the clock around the world to, to move those forward. Could we get to a point where the the virus is mitigated enough through treatment or other things? And again, for, forgive me if I'm asking you questions that cross over and, you know, where the medical world begins and the right. microbiology right. world begins. I'm not sure where that line is, right. um, you know, but could we get to a point where there's enough treatment, enough mitigation things that, um, that, that the virus isn't as much of a concern for us? I think we're, we're never going to be in a situation where um, once you're infected that the risk is substantial, you know, is gone, right? Um, I mean, we, we have rolled out treatments, um, you know, therapeutic drugs as well as therapeutic antibodies, um, which, you know, were in the news recently. We still don't have, that, that can be effective, but they're not a silver bullet. They can reduce severity, um, but they have to be delivered quickly, meaning you have to test people very early, um, and they're not always going to work. Um, and again, things like that antibody therapy are extremely expensive and are only, they're very hard to manufacture in large amounts. So um, really our best bet is still the vaccine. Um, and we're not going to be able to just totally forget about this virus until that vaccine has been rolled out. Um, so keep wearing the masks. <laughs> abs absolutely. I mean, I, they're certainly annoying, but it, uh, they really make a huge difference. Um, and it's something we can do right now to, to protect our friends, neighbors, and loved ones. It, it feels like life can happen at a somewhat normal way with masks and with some distancing. We may not have, uh, unfortunately, large concerts. We may not have, uh, you know, sporting events. To, both of those things are things near and dear to my own heart. But we are, we're out and about, we're shopping, we're doing what we need to do. No, exactly. I mean, again, it, they are annoying, but um, yeah. but absolutely, they allow us to do things um, reasonably safely that would not be safe otherwise. Um, and again, it's you know, it's not just protecting ourselves. I mean, you know, for most people, this virus doesn't really make you you know, it doesn't cause severe illness. Um, but for lots of people out in the community who have other conditions and they may not even know it. It's, it's critically important. So it's not just protecting you. It's, it's protecting your neighbors, protecting your loved ones. Um, Man of the year, Christopher Brook, professor of microbiology, to sim put it simply, but a professor of a lot of things and uh, has worked on developing the COVID-19 rapid test. Really appreciate your time. Congratulations. Oh, thank you very much uh, again for having me. Yeah. Appreciate it. It's 434 and we'll check our bottom of the hour news in just a moment.